Welcome back. This is Faith to Form, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. F2F Music Foundation seeks to enable all youth to pursue continuous and rigorous training in music to their highest level of interest and ability while striving for the best academic achievements possible. F2F designed to provide disadvantaged students in high schools, middle and elementary schools with the opportunity to excel in their academic endeavors by utilizing the benefits of music to enrich their lives and the lives of others in their community. Boy, what a true statement that is, and what what a great journey as well. We uh, we recently hooked, I'm on the board with the F2F Music Foundation, we recently hooked up with uh, Gilbreth Communications here in Houston, our uh, official PR partner, and um, that organization, first of all, is first class. The fact that they said, hey, F2F, we're going to help you out. We're going to do this for you. And the fact that they're doing things is absolutely phenomenal. For So we thank them for that. You know, last time when we were talking with uh, with with Val and Paula, uh, Paula is uh, on the board as well for the F2F Music Foundation. But we were also talking about an event happening November 19th and again on December 3rd. It's, uh, it's a beginning improvisation without fear. And um, you, by the way, you can still register for that. If you're listening prior to December the 3rd, we are looking for folks to be a part of that. But now we get to know a gentleman by the name of John Christian, who is the director of bands at the University of Charleston, West Virginia. And uh, John does not come from West Virginia. John's been all over the place mm-hmm. from Atlanta to growing up in Wisconsin um spent a little time in uh, Central Michigan University and uh did some postgraduate studies as well at Central Michigan University so so you're you're you're, you're actually not in the south okay i know it's west virginia but it's not the south i mean houston's the south but but <laughs> but, but john 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 is our guest today cuz we've got a lot to talk about also uh, Val lewis is with us you know Val, the award-winning Hammond organist, keyboardist. He's an accomplished singer, producer, arranger, whose music can be found in the well-known TV shows like The Soprano, Mad About You, Friends, and The Fresh Prince. And he's also played with a number of incredible bands throughout the years. Had his own hit, which is a, a huge hit in Great Britain still to this day. We're talking 70s stuff. It's still going on. Uh, lastly, playing with uh, Dion Warwick on our world tour um, his, uh, his song entitled the single for or song for my love, the single from his EP colors of soul, um, is phenomenal. It's produced by uh, Greg Manning, who is an incredible producer landed on the uh, GrooveJazzMusic.com top 100 chart in 2014. And, uh, he just keeps going and going, did a thing for here in Houston, uh, with, um, Houston strong, which he dedicated to all the Harvey survivors landed on the 61st annual Grammy Awards ballot for consideration. So, so many things going on. So one day, Bell woke up and said, what, God? What, what'd you say? Oh, okay. Faith, F2, faith to form? Okay, okay, I can do that. I can do that. So yeah. <laughs> in the meantime, it's born. That's the foundation. And uh, it's it's going like, like uh, gangbusters here. But the thing we're talking about today uh, with John and with Bell is this event. So guys, you've had one event so far. And let's talk about that first before we go into part two of this event so we can talk folks into uh, participating who maybe have missed that first opportunity. What was that like, guys? 
Well, I'm going to let John take over for that one because he did most of the talking for the workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. I think, um, you know, as a a music educator for over 25 years now, I can't believe it's been that long. um, I've been able to experience, you know, students uh, in grades kindergarten all the way through undergraduate school and improvisation has always been a key to popular and rock music but it's we've been improv improvisation has been going on for centuries you know and the first like ideas of improvisation you know was just people singing on the street and just uh, you know it, maybe they were in the field or they were on their horse or whatever but you know it's been a natural art and i think it's it's elevated itself. Jazz has definitely elevated this art form to an unbelievable, uh, it's like the pinnacle of improvisation. I mean, Bach did uh, improvisations in the church and many organists have done that and uh, troubadours would do it. But I felt that students, when we start, when students started improvising, they always felt intimidated and it's really not that hard, you know, it, but it's all about increasing your vocabulary and increasing your listening. And, you know, I think our, the students with um, Vell's foundation is they're just looking to be inspired, but also find their voice. And this is a great opportunity to do it. Exactly. So what, so the, the improvisational has to have some basic roots though, to understand where you can, where you can go with improvisation. So you really have to have some, some knowledge of, of, uh, of music and of scales and of, of things like that. Don't you guys? Um, yeah. I think it does a little bit. I mean, the one thing to, to think about is that like with the first episode, we were just talking about basic songs. We took even like jingle bells, which is like a six note song, you know? And the idea was to take the general melody of jingle bells. And then on top of it, uh, take out uh, and create music vocabulary. And we had a series of rhythms that were very popular um, in the swing era and are also very predominant and even now today. And we took those rhythms and slowly added them to them. And then if you have a general knowledge of, you know, eight to 10 notes, you know, and starting with maybe one to two scales, I mean, you're home free. You know, you can, at least, that's us. That's the ability to start at a basic level. Exactly. Wow. You know, you, you talk of jingle bells, uh, Barbara Streisand did a great uh, Christmas version of jingle bells. I don't know whether you've heard that uh, version, but it's, it's all over the place. It's structured. It's, it's good. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's talk about improvisation. I think of, um, I think of the carpenters, uh, Karen Carpenter and, 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 and Richard, um, Especially, and I'll go back to the Christmas stuff as well, some of the stuff that they've done from the orchestration and from, I mean, it was improvisation, but it was planned improvisation where you, you had so many different elements put together. It sounded so cool when you're changing tempos and, and keys and, and things like that. Go ahead, John. Well, and I think that improvisation does require somewhat of a plan. And I think that comes from the idea of working with your partners in crime for the lack of better words people within your rhythm section or if maybe it's just a trombone player and a trumpet player or a sax player and a flute flautist or something like that but i mean there's definitely a little bit of a plan and a lot of that is also communicated non-verbally 
because nobody stops in the middle of uh, a tune and says, okay, it's your turn. Now you yeah. should go. No. You know, uh, that's all done with um, eye contact and body language, right. you know, and you'll see that in numerous videos of, of great pe- great performers from, you know, Louis Armstrong to Stan Getz to um, uh, J.J. Johnson to uh, Wynton Marsalis. I mean, they all communicate non-verbally with either their eyes or their body language all the time. So there's that kind of idea. And the plan, you know, it, it's definitely, I wouldn't, I guess the plan is basically it's very gelatinous if for another lack of better words. I mean, it just flows and it's ebb and flow and it's, you know, we start and stop and we find those, those areas um, to communicate within. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that. I I grew up in this in the 50s and 60s and uh, in a garage band, and there was a tremendous amount of improvisation there. And you really uh, let things just flow and and it happened. And and I played uh, lead guitar and um, it it was weird because there wasn't any structure there. You you just did it. The thing that we we saw with the Larry Braggs thing that we did at the Sugarland Auditorium uh, for Faith to Form. Uh, a long time ago, um, the kids on the stage, they were good. They were really, really, really good, but they were also afraid. Right. Because, uh, and I maybe afraid of playing the wrong note or messing up or something, but it seems to me with improvisation, you really can't mess it up too much, can you? I don't think it's a, a lack of good and bad, just no. better, you know? Okay. And that, that, that was always preached to me. My, uh, my trombone instructor in, uh, in undergraduate school was the phenomenal Steve Weiss, who now teaches at the university of Denver. And, um, you know, he taught us improvisation and, you know, we learned some scales and we learned rhythms and, you know, then he would make us play transcriptions of great soloists, whether regardless of the instrument. But the big thing he always told us was just, would you make good choices, make good choices. And once you can make good choices and you feel confident about it, about it, your harmonic and harmonic uh, vocabulary and your melodic vocabulary and rhythmic vocabulary will all increase. And then you can slowly, um, you know, push the, the boundaries of what you're doing. And people like Ornette Coleman was like the master of, you know, pushing boundaries. And then, I mean, I'm just trying to think of who else would be um, a great pusher of boundaries. I mean, Miles Davis even too, you know? So, I mean, that's the whole apex, if you will, of improvisation is that pushing of the boundary, but that basic vocabulary for any improv imp- improviser is there. I mean, I'm not a master improviser. I will never say that I am, but at the same time, knowing what vocabulary I need to do and what vocabulary um, is available to me helps me become a better improviser. And that's I've been always a big fan of Al Jarreau and as an improvisational artist with his with his voice. I've always felt that he did an incredible job with he played his voice like an instrument. And not only did he sing, sing but he also had a great, uh, yeah. uh, great chops for playing. And George Benson, too, as a guitarist, you know, he would sing a lot of the stuff he was improv. Im, he was improvising simultaneously, which was crazy, ridiculous. Yeah. But, you know, you know. Um, people have also preached, if you can sing it, you can play it. If you can, you know, that's another thing. And you see all these, I mean, think of like Ella Fitzgerald and yeah. you, you, you hear all of these great scat singers that have done wonderful things over time. You know, it's, 
you know, we're, we should all be, you know, treat our voice as our improvisational instrument first with the idea of putting whatever is uh, in our mind on our instrument. And the big thing is that as kids grow, they learn their instrument while learning music. You know, that's an American type of idea where in like uh, when I was in Kazakhstan for five years, the Russian train of thought at the conservatory that I taught at there was, we're going to make you a soloist and you're going to understand everything you possibly do technically with your instrument. And then you can share your emotion. Mm. Whereas the American train of thought is definitely, you know, you're going to learn your instrument while you're learning to emote. And while you're expressing yourself, you shouldn't have to wait to express yourself. Wow, that makes a lot of sense. Hey, Val, uh, yeah. you know, with with the first uh, session on the nineteenth, talk about uh, talk about the the students and talk about the folks who attended that thing. What was their takeaway from that uh, that first event? Yeah, they were very uh, open in terms of receiving the information that John brought up, which is a lot of what we're talking about now, and as of today, I have to be honest, I haven't heard from them, but I did speak to uh, one of the students uh, the day after and asked him if he liked it. And he said, oh, yeah, I thought it was great. And um, I'm talking about Ryan, uh, John, who was very interactive with us, which was really good. And uh, I mean, he's a 10-year-old student that's just uh, been learning piano for about three years now. And he's been listening to a lot of music, which is very enlightening because uh, kids these days generally just kind of stick to one genre of music. And, you know, speaking of kids in general and improvisation, I wanted to bring up one young artist that if you haven't heard this particular piece that he just published on YouTube a few days ago, you've got to check it out. His name is Jacob Collier. He is from uh, UK from what I understand. And uh, Quincy Jones has actually classified him as a genius, I think, last year or whatever. And I can see why. When I heard this piece that he did, he did his own rendition of uh, the Christmas song, uh, Chestnuts uh, Roasting on an Open Fire. Mm -hmm. But the texture of harmonies that this kid is using, and it's all a cappella, just amazing. It floored me when I heard it. So, my gosh. I mean, he's putting chords in place that... I would have to stop the video and say, wait a minute, okay, it's structured like, okay, maybe C, then there's E flat, then there's F, then he's got a B flat, then maybe a D somewhere, or D flat, mm-hmm. and then it, it just keeps going. And he's using more or less, I think, 12 voices simultaneously. It's just, I mean, you, you got to check it out. And I'm so glad, again, where I'm talking about kids, that young kids are starting to receive jazz improvisation techniques mm-hmm. and appreciating it because they've been hearing so much about jazz as the old school jazz, the traditional jazz of the thirties and forties and so forth, which a lot of those still you know, techniques are used today, but with contemporary jazz, which has been more prevalent over the last 20 years or so, there's different genres of contemporary jazz, which attracts young people also because of the rhythmic structures and the infectious beats that are going on in some of what we call groove jazz and smooth jazz and that type of thing. So uh, I'm really glad to see the kids are starting to you know, appreciate that. They're listening a lot more to it. And um, 
hopefully with what we're doing with the music workshop, that we'll be able to attract a lot more kids for the December 3rd uh, workshop. And by the way, that is open to the entire United States because it's online. Anyone from wherever they may be in the U.S. can sign on depending on their time zone. Um, we're working through central time here at 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. in the evening, which is after kids have finished their online classes and so forth. So they have a little time to relax and get some enjoyment while they learn you know, different techniques of um, playing music. And the place to go to register, and that's a free event, by the way, so you have no excuse for not being a part of that. F2Fmusicfoundation.org, and then that's the F, the number two, uh, F2Fmusicfoundation.org. Uh, what was your takeaway, John, from the first um, uh, from the first session? What did you? Uh, what kind of a sense did you get from the the, the the kids that were participating there? I think some of them definitely just want to grow. And in COVID, the con the lack of contact, the lack of true collaboration, the and then you know uh, just the I guess for you know the lack of structure and stuff. I mean, we're trying to structure and keep kids going at the same time. I think people are going to awaken out of COVID when all of this is lifted and hopefully all of our, you know, vaccinations work and all of our social distancing and mask wearing and all of that works out in the end. Kids are going to come back to the classroom um, juice to do things. They're not going to be like, boy, I wish I could stay home and do nothing. Well, guess what? You state that, you know, I don't want to have to go to school. I want to stay at home. Well, they've been home for 10 months. Mm-hmm. And they have now, this particular generation of kid, even my own two kids, they hunger to get back into the classroom. They are looking for structure. They're looking for opportunities to explore. And the kids that came to the workshop are definitely there. You know, um, they want to learn. They want to grow. They want to be a part of something more than themselves. And music is like, the best way to do that, honestly. I mean, right. I was an athlete as well in high school and, you know, I participated in different organizations in middle school and high school, but I tell you what, music was always part of the base. It was still part of what it was still ingrained within the culture that I was in, in the community that I was in. And there are so many communities around the country, big and small, where music is an essential part of a child's well-being and emotional growth. And if we can do that for these kids, that's great. And I felt that, you know, we had a good connection with those kids that were there that really wanted to learn. You know, right. they, they want to know more. So if we can feed the beast, you know, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Music is intelligence, I think, and it, and it, and it raises one's uh, level of intelligence when you can master any any instrument. I don't care whether it's percussion or horns or you know. Strings yeah, and sixty percent of uh, people who are out there, sixty percent of college graduates who are going on to medical school now, now have m- music degrees. Mm-hmm. They outnumber those who are studying the health and medical sciences in preparation for professional study. Because musicians learn empathy, they learn to create a problem solve. They they believe in, um, you know, that collaborative and communicative effort. So you know, if and that's such an important thing to embed in these kids is that music is a gateway to anything in your life, and it teaches you that self discipline and that respect for others, and you know, kindness and politeness, and you know, 
in searching for the aesthetic experience, you know, so having these kids explore it through improvisation is where they can find their own voice on top of it is even more powerful. Right. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, going to, to school, becoming professional, uh, whatever you, you choose a vocation. We have a, a good friend of ours who his son, we recorded a couple of his albums here and Chris loved music. And Chris was a great musician, a great songwriter and, and such. And, uh, he said, dad, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to drop out of A&M. Um, I'm going to pursue this music thing. And dad said, uh, no, you're not. And you're, <laughs> you're going to finish your education. And Chris is now, um, a, a psychiatrist. And, uh, because of that, he is able to explore his passion for music. He lives in the uh, Texas Hill country now, which is a gorgeous part of the state. And uh, he's doing that. So yeah. how, what about, what about the stuff over at the, uh, the university? What's been going on there with you, John, with, 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 uh, all of the stuff that's happening these days with COVID. Well, I think we're, we've been pretty fortunate. Our particular university, um, our, our win ensemble, uh, which is our, our band, we do a variety of music. We just don't do classical music. We do contemporary music. We do jazz and soundtracks, which is kind of odd for most university wind ensembles. I definitely diversify our repertoire, but we've actually been able to meet as an ensemble and we haven't had to break down into smaller groups like other universities in the country. But what also makes our program really unique is that um, we don't have a bona fide music degree on our campus. We believe in a multidisciplinary approach to music, and we treat it almost as pre-professional. So every student that's a part of our ensembles, whether it's the choir or the band here, they actually are pursuing something else. And those people who want to pursue music as a degree we prepare them for their graduate level. So we have a couple students who are in the multidisciplinary program that study music, psychology, and then they also study entrepreneurship. And that particular student is preparing to go on to music therapy. We have a student who's studying music and psychology and um, sports science as a minor with the hope that they will be able to uh, use that knowledge to build their own like art studio. So, um, and then we have students who major in elementary education who are studying music as a side with the idea of doing music education for their masters. So they'll have dual certification and they can, they can use the arts in their elementary classroom or they can use their ele elementary pedagogy styles to work within their music classroom. Wow. And we do stuff with business as well. You know, so we, you know, we have students who are doing data analytics with music with the idea of going into cybersecurity for a master's degree. So we have a unique approach to our to music education and its opportunities beyond the classroom uh, and be in into life. You know, we are we have created a 21st century degree, you know, mm -hmm. that is usable for all those um, professions that are out there but also all the professions that we haven't even been created yet that we don't even know. Nobody knew what social media was 15 years ago. Exactly. You know, and what is the next thing that's going to come down the line? I don't have the crystal ball, but I know that the students that come to us that end up doing something with music through this multidisciplinary approach gives them so many options when they graduate. It's not even funny on what they can major in go to medical school go for arts administration go into uh, neuropsychology I mean, 
we have students that are running the gambit of what they want to explore when they graduate. See, that's really cool. And it sounds like even despite COVID, you're still keeping it together and keeping it rolling. Oh, yeah. We've been really fortunate. We have not had to close down. We haven't had to do a two-week quarantine. We've had some students who have developed COVID that if I told you we didn't, we'd be lying. But I'll tell you what, they're still... You know, our teams are still practicing. Our musicians are still uh, rehearsing and giving, you know, online concerts. And our students are still studying in the safest place. And, you know, we are, I'm so proud to be a part of an institution that was so prepared and so ready and so, and took the initiative to prepare for COVID, where there were other institutions that kind of waited around for a long time to be told what to do. We grabbed the bull by the horns and we went after it and we've had a very successful term and I'm so happy to be a part of a community like that. Good for you. Great place. Great timing. Timing is everything in life, isn't it? Absolutely. Right place, right time. So, um, December the 3rd is the, it's seven o'clock uh, central. It's, it's once again, free. It's an event that uh, you can partake in, uh, if you are, uh, you know, want to engage with these guys. What, what do folks, uh, what, what, what will we expect on that second uh, session? What's coming our way? I think we'll expound a little bit on um, the the whole building your vocabulary idea and learning your instrument and talk about ways to uh, integrate improvisation, again, without fear into your practice time and be able to teach students how to practice efficiently with improvisation. Mm-hmm. So um, there's so many places where, you know, they, uh, educators will be like, go practice but nobody taught teaches you how to practice. Right. Right. It's like teach you how to practice. And even in, in athletics or, you know, other academic fields and stuff, that whole how to practice is um, denied or isn't uh, solidified with students. And even in adults, you know, somebody say, you need to get better at this. Well, how do I get better at it? I know why I need to get better, but how do I get better? The who, what, where, and when is always, you know, that's garbage. It's the why and the how. And if you already possess why, then give me how. And I think we're going to go through the how as much as we can. Yeah, and that's something that I'd usually do as well uh, with uh, private students that I'm teaching is uh, even though we use reference books, and I've most of my students are piano, of course, uh, we're using the uh, Piano Adventures series. And from those books, I then take them to the other realm of things where, okay, now that you've learned how to play a song and you, you understand what the five-finger scale is in the key of C, build your own story from that now. Take mm-hmm. the last couple measures and do something that you think you would like to play for this song. Make up your own. And what? Really? How do I do that? Okay, let's look at this. Here's a question and here's an answer part of the song you first line is the question and the second part is the answer so now let's take the last couple of measures and do your own song wow. so that's what i've been stressing even with high school students too that i've worked with it's your story when you come out from the ensemble and step out on the stage to play a solo you are now speaking your story so build a story how do you want your story to sound? How do you want your notes to sound? It should always sound good. It should feel good. But 
start small and build it because you have this you know emotional content inside of you as well that you want to be able to put out to people and let them see who you are so let's speak to it like that and just build it start you know just some little small notes doesn't have to be a whole lot of busy stuff but you can then maybe get a little busier in the middle of your solo and then take it out at the end and just blast it or whatever. Or if you want to do it in reverse, it's up to you, but it's all about you, how you want to present yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, as I've done that in the past with certain students that you've seen as well, uh, Ray, when you mentioned about the Sugarland Auditorium, yeah. when we had a couple of students step out and say, okay, here, play something. And even though they weren't sure what to do, we gave them that ability to take a chance yeah. and s- step out there and see what you can do for it and see how you feel after. I hope that I hope that uh, a lot of folks uh, in, jump up and, and grab onto the December the third uh, session. Again, it's free. F two F Music Foundation dot org. And, and, and John, you know Vel when you guys were together in Atlanta, I guess, right? Is that yeah? How you, yeah how we do. Yeah, we met. We met at actually at the church we both attended, which right. was very ironic. But as musicians, we've always talked about music, and we've yeah. remained us. We've had a strong friendship for many years. After he moved to Houston and I moved overseas, we've always been friends. The ir- ironic thing about the whole thing is that we both have heard each other play, mm-hmm. but we've never played together. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, when's that going to happen, guys? When's that going to happen? I think post COVID definitely hopefully right. to get him on campus with some of the members of his band. And hopefully I, I can uh, make a, a great trip to, to Houston and we can find a cool club and hang out for the evening and do yeah, absolutely. Well, we have no shortage of cool clubs in Houston. There's no doubt about that, but also Charleston, West Virginia is a beautiful city. Um, John Denver wrote a song about the state. So I think it's uh, worthy of, uh, <laughs> But um, but yeah, what, what you guys are doing here is great. Uh, what the foundation is doing, and and the most exciting part about F two F at this point in time is the fact that it is moving ahead. It is picking up speed. Can you feel like a train leaving the station, and it's now going a little bit faster and a little bit faster and a little bit faster, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, with with programs like this, uh, this is the way this thing grows, and not only from a local standpoint, but a global standpoint. When you think about that, we're exactly. no, no walls or anything here. But but both of you guys are doing great. We're coming up. We're recording this podcast uh, prior to Thanksgiving, so everybody is going to have a weird, wacky, and wonderful Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Full of great blessings and. Uh, a lot, a lot to be thankful for because this has been a, a really rugged year for us all. You know, I, I look back at this year, and I'm, I'm sure you share the same feelings. But there's a lot that's been said this year, uh, not necessarily verbally, but uh, in a spiritual way, about our world and about what's cooking in this world right now. And uh, for those who are listening, uh, the message is very clear, um, I think, and uh, as a result. Rather than 2020 being discarded, it should be uh, held up and say, "Okay, this is a good example of what uh, uh, it, it was a wake up. It's a wake up call, basically, for our world." I think. Right. I don't know. That's, yeah, there's that's so, much, and there's so much goodness that has been spread through all of this, and yeah. it doesn't matter what faith you are or what you follow. But you know, if you are a good person, try and you notice somebody who needs help, even just a 
you're doing okay. Hang in there. You know, just like, I feel for you. I'm with you. Just little things like that can make all the difference for people. Exactly. You You don't need a gesture, just a gesture. Yeah. Do something nice for somebody else. Be kind. Be supportive. There was, I was in Walmart uh, doing some shopping uh, yesterday. And this lady, she was a cheerleader uh, for for customers. You know, you, there's always one in, in a crowd. Big smile, high energy, having a good time. She said, come on down. I said, Bob Barker, huh? She goes, <laughs> but so we, we need that. But but as far as this uh, thing goes, and I'm sure, um, you know, John, you're participating in this, this event on, on December the 3rd, 7 o'clock. It's free. Um, but... Uh, I'm sure this is not the last time that we'll be talking with you and Val and, uh, and talking more about F2F because it sounds like F2F has a new, a new fan. Uh, what do you oh. <laughs> Absolutely. And hopefully we're getting fans too. So, I mean, that's the whole idea of, and I mean, the more people collaborate, the better everyone feels and the benefits that come from that is, you know, is so much better than being on your own. So, exactly. Uh, I'll, I'll let the world make their judgments on that, you know, but I'm finding that, um, the more people today collaborate and recognize each other's talents and needs and, um, abilities, the better everyone is, you know, absolutely love it. Collaboration. I love it. F2F music foundation.org. That's uh, the number two F2F music foundation.org. The event is December the third, seven o'clock. If you're listening to this podcast, after that time, which you very well might be, uh, still endeavor to find out more about F2F and the, the many things that will happen into 2021. And uh, guys, thanks. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, both of you are filled with thanks. I can see that and I can hear that too. Absolutely. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Ray. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so great. much for the opportunity. It's been great. Thanks, John. Faith to Forum, the podcast for the F2F Music Foundation. And that's a wrap.